Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Akron, Ohio, inviting friends into family. If you live nearby, we invite you to join us on a Sunday morning. For service times, live stream information, and social media, visit the links in our show notes. Well, good morning, church. It is great to be able to worship together. Uh, Before we start, I just want to take a moment and say thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for praying for Equip Ministries International. Uh, Matt Young, who's in the front row today, another pastor from uh, down in Kershockton, and myself, we just spent 15 days training overseas pastors in Laos, Thailand, and Myanmar, which used to be Burma. Uh, Incredible time. These pastors have very little and they so desperately want to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. And so we do that, and we spend time with them and love on them uh, so that there will not be false teaching in their churches. And so thank you for praying. Thank you for sending. Thank you for giving. You will hear missionaries say, we cannot do it without your help. That is truly the case. And so we, we thank you. You are an incredible church and love you guys so much. We started last week a series called Against All Odds, dealing with relationships. And I think all of us would uh, be able to agree that relationships, to some extent, are a work in progress. Would you agree with that? Uh, All of our relationships in some way are a work in progress. And if we're honest, we're a work in progress. And that's okay. I would much rather be a work in progress in my marriage, my family, uh, with a coworker, our church family, than uh, showing no progress at all. And so uh, the reality is this. When our relationships are going well, we give ourselves way too much credit. And when our relationships are going poorly, we beat ourselves up way too much. How many of you have experienced the highs and the lows of relationships? the good, the bad, and the ugly in relationships. And so we are gonna talk this morning about relationships in this series. Whether it's coworkers or a spouse, a, a, a child, a parent, an outlaw, or an in-law, uh, we are gonna spend some time, again, reminding us how important relationships are in our church and in our culture. Uh, some of you Uh, have been in relationships where you have laughed so hard your stomach hurts, and you've also been in relationships that you've cried so hard that your stomach hurts. And just as there are changes to seasons, there's changes in our relationships. Some of them physical changes, some of them spiritual changes, especially when it comes to the relationship that we have with Christ. Now, if you have been involved in relationships throughout your life, and all of us have, uh, in order for it to be successful, in order for it to last, in order for it to work, it needs three things. If you don't have these three things, uh, there's an issue. Uh, It takes work, it takes time, and it takes sacrifice. If you're not interested in those three things, you will have relationships that struggle, and there's strain, and, and... There's tension in your relationships. And so this morning is more of a teaching time than it is a preaching time. And I'm going to give you some tools that will help us in our relationships, regardless of the relationship that we are in. And they're tools that maybe we have not considered, or maybe they're tools that we know about, but we just haven't been using in our relationships. And so we would say this. The relationship you have with another, 
will only be as strong as the relationship you have with the Lord. Let me say that again. The relationship you have with another will only be as strong as the relationship you have with the Lord. Good relationship with the Lord, good relationship with others. Bad relationship with the Lord, you can expect bad relationship with others. It's kind of like that triangle diagram that you've seen and we've put up that uh, the closer you get to the Lord, the closer you get to each other. Whether it's a coworker, a friend, whether it's your child, or whether it's a spouse, but the closer that we are in alignment with the Lord. Everyone say alignment. Like your tires, maybe your tires aren't aligned right now. But uh, the more we are in alignment to the Lord, the more that flows over into every single one of our relationships. Spouses, those of you that are in here, when you're doing great with the Lord, it affects your marriage. And when you're not doing great in the Lord, you are on each other. And I don't mean physically. Okay? Uh, it, you see it. You sense the tension. And so as we draw closer to the Lord, we're going to see that in our relationships with others. Relationships of any kind involve some sort of investment. Good investment, good return. Bad investment, bad return. No investment, no return. And the point is that as I am depositing in a healthy way into my relationships, the result of that will be fruit that will remain. It will be something that I'll look back on years from now and say, I am so glad I deposited and gave to that relationship. But if we are withdrawing, if we are taking, if we are being selfish, you can expect then the result of bankruptcy. And you can expect there to be tension and strife and turmoil and emptiness. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to family, when it comes to friends, this is an investment worth depositing in. And this is why we're taking time to talk about relationships. Because many times we think about the relationships that are out there and how those relationships are important. But you know what? There's a relationship going on in here within our church. There's a relationship going on with your children and there's a relationship going on with your spouse. Those are the kind of relationships we want to be able to invest in. And so when it comes to that, we want to invest. Now, I'm gonna give you, we're gonna this morning focus our attention on family. Some of you are like, why family? Because family still matters today. Family still matters. There's, we're still able to salvage the family unit. Even though our culture is just gone awry when it comes to family and closeness, we can still have good relationships with each other and with our children. So we're gonna give you some tools this morning on how to have a healthy relationship with your children, with your parents, and you're like, well, I, I'm not a parent. Okay, you're not a parent. The principles we're gonna talk about this morning will deal with every single relationship that you are in. So I'm only gonna give you four tools this morning and then I will come back at a later time and I'll give you four more. Instead of saying, I'm gonna give you 27 tools this morning and you forget most of them by the time that you leave, I'm just gonna give you four, okay? Are you ready? Okay, that was pretty lame. Are you ready? Okay, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Good, the first tool that we wanna just look at is actions versus attitude. Actions versus attitude. And here's the reality. We may be obeying in our actions, 
in our relationship with one another, but are we honoring in our relationship through our attitude? We may be obeying in our actions, but are we honoring one another in our attitude? Whoever that might be, children, spouse, friend, especially in our relationship with the Lord, we have to ask the question, am I obeying solely out of my actions or am I honoring out of my attitude? And so uh, Paul in Ephesians 6, uh, talking to the church of Ephesus, says this, talking about parent-child. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There's that word obey or obedience, a a task or a function. Uh, Who are we to obey according to this verse? Our parents, Uh, not our grandparents necessarily, not a coach, not a friend, but first and foremost, we're to obey our parents. You say, why? Why? Well, here's why. Because if our children are obeying us as parents, that will flow over into them obeying a coach, a friend, a grandparent. And so we are told, why are we to do this? Because the Lord requires it. Because it's the right thing to do. So we see the word here, obey, but we also see another word, and that is the word honor. I love the word honor. We don't do it enough. We don't show it enough. The word honor means that what you do or what you say or what someone else does or says carries great worth, great value, that it's highly respected. You go into a courtroom because you've got a speeding ticket, and I guarantee you, how many of you have ever gotten a speeding ticket? Just honesty here at church. Wow, slow down. Um, And and, uh, all of a sudden, the judge comes in, and what does everybody do? They rise. Why? out of honor, out of respect, out of reverence for one another. Here's the question. Your children may be obeying in their actions, but are they honoring with their attitude? Now our kids are grown up. When our kids were small, I would go into their bedroom and I would go, you have got to be kidding me. Your room looks like a bomb hit it. It is terrible. You go upstairs right now and you clean your room. And they would obey. But they would also stomp up the steps, (laughs) throw themselves on the bed, cry out because there should be stricter labor laws for children. They obeyed in their actions, didn't they? But they did not honor it with their attitude. Their attitude was out of whack. And then I wanted to give them a whack, okay? I didn't have their heart. They were able to perform a task or a function that I thought, good, they're doing it, but they did not honor with a heart of reverence and respect, and that's what we're going for in any relationship. The word here, honor, is also in Exodus 20, the fifth commandment, honor your mother and father to honor them. I love what Mark Twain once said. He goes, when your kids turn 13, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut and feed them through the knot hole. And when they turn 16, plug the hole. (laughs) Now, now maybe that's extreme when it comes to parenting. 
But I think all of us would agree, how many parents do we have in here? Just raise your hand, okay? It is a challenge, whether your kids are small or whether your kids have grown up, it is still a challenge for us in many ways. And I would say this, we are often more interested in having our children obey what we say than we are in having them honor what we say. There is a difference here that I want us to understand before we move on. We tend to want people to obey us out of a task or function rather than honor us with a love relationship. I've seen children and adults obey but not honor. But I have never seen someone not honor without obeying. See, so often this happens even in our relationship with the Lord where we, we obey out of a task or a function. The, the Lord doesn't want us to obey out of obligation. He wants us to honor him out of dedication, out of a love relationship. Spouses, when are you most willing to love and honor your spouse? When the attitude is right. Uh, okay, you can do things out of obedience, but when we go after the heart, when we go after our kid's heart, when we go after our spouse's heart, things change and it will show in a very positive way. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're involved in a relationship, which you are, all of us are, are you finding yourself in that relationship out of obedience or out of honor? And when you are with that person, are they just being obedient or is there honor? That what they do and what they say carries great worth, great value because there is a love relationship there. Many of us here this morning have just gone through the motions spiritually in our life where we just say, I guess I have to do it. I have to come to church. I guess I'll be in a community group. I, I, I'm supposed to read the word of God. And we do it out of an obligation rather than a dedication, a heart relationship to the Lord. Parents, grandparents, go for the heart in your relationships with your kids, not just the outward acts of obedience. Um, I, I was in an airport. I spent a lot of time in the airport. Matt and I spent a lot of time in the airport. And uh, I went and I got a sub sandwich in the airport. And when I walked up, I could tell already the girl was having a bad day. And so I ordered my sub sandwich. And before she went to go fix it, I said, hey, could you just do me a favor? And could you, could you make that with love, please? And she goes, What? I said, yeah, if you could just put your whole heart into making this sub, I would just really appreciate it. She goes, really? I said, yes, yes, just do it out of, out of a love. I didn't say a love relationship, you know, like you got a sub, you know. Um, I, I said, yeah, if you could just make it with your whole heart. And I thought, oh, I blew it. I blew it. She probably thinks I'm a creeper, you know. She goes and makes it, comes back. I'm paying her for it. And she goes, hey, just want you to know, I made it with my whole heart, okay? Well, I knew her heart wasn't into it, okay? What we're trying to do is we're trying to go after our kids, our grandparents' kids, our spouse's heart. That makes the difference in relationships. Yes, obedience is great, but when we honor each other, oh, it changes everything. That's the first tool. Here's the second one. Your children's perception of you is everything. Your children's perception of you is everything. In other words, what they hear and what they see from you as parents, 
will be a clear indication to them of what you value and what you put your identity in. I mean, they know, they see what you are putting, your identity, what you value. Don't tell them that you love the Lord, but you are more interested in making money. They see it. They see it. Let's make sure we are painting a clear path and picture for our kids of what we truly live for, what really matters, that his purpose is my purpose, and my purpose is his purpose. I've seen so many times in parenting where what they value and whether they put their identity in time, the children put their identity and value in the exact same thing. And then we wonder, why are my kids so screwed up? Because sometimes we're screwed up. We've got the wrong identity. We've got the wrong values in life. And that's why Matthew 6.33 is such a powerful verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Your marriage is an added thing. Your children are added things. Your wealth, your education, your retirement plan, your entertainment, those are all added things. Listen, listen, listen. When the added thing becomes more important than the main thing of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we can't seem to figure out why life seems so miserable. We've allowed the added things to become more than the main thing. But if we keep seeking first the kingdom of God, our main priority, all these things will fall into place as long as we keep the right perspective. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here, here's the beauty of all of this. When we live out the purpose that God has for us, we are giving our children a light that they can walk in in a very dark and confusing world. Do we live in a dark and confusing world? Absolutely. So why would we not want to show to our children what it means to truly have an identity in the Lord? Otherwise, we're sending our children out into darkness. Tool number three. Do you reflect an attitude of gratitude in your relationships? Oh, oh, oh. This is so good. Not because that's my notes, but it's so good. Are we really reflecting an attitude of gratitude in our relationships? Why is it that my kids seem so ungrateful? Because maybe we have reflected that to them. Or why are my kids so thankful these days? Because maybe through the Lord's guidance and the Lord's grace, we've been able to press that upon them. Is there an attitude of gratitude? Ever been around someone who's a complainer? They're like a wet blanket. They can never say anything kind. They're always complaining. There's a sense of ingratitude. Uh, they're like the Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh syndrome. Uh, they, they are, they are uh, uh, what is it, half empty? They're more than half empty. And all of a sudden, we get around someone like that, and what happens? We don't realize it, but over time, we become like that as well. If we want to cultivate lasting and healthy relationships, we have to demonstrate a heart of gratitude. Are we reflecting a heart of gratitude to our children of what we have 
or are we reflecting a heart of ingratitude and entitlement of what we don't have and should have? Because there's a big difference. There is a fruit in Africa called the taste berry. It's called the taste berry because the moment that you eat it, it tastes sweet. Everything for about 15 seconds that you put in your mouth tastes sweet because of the taste berry. Even the most disgusting and bitter foods after eating a taste berry taste quite delicious. I think gratitude needs to be the taste berry of our soul because we live in a world that does not show a lot of gratitude. And I want to just encourage you that when someone asks you this week, hey, how you doing? Most of us say, oh, I'm busy. I got a lot on my plate. There's so much going on. And we just start down that road of complaining. But this week when someone says, hey, how are you doing? Say, you know what? I am so thankful for, and then you share something that you're thankful for. It will set the pace of that conversation. Having a heart of gratitude. Researchers show that gratitude improves our mood and our overall physical health. No wonder there are hundreds of verses in Scripture that deal with having a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. The gift of gratitude extends beyond ourselves. And we're going to show you just a few verses that you can meditate on as you seek to have a grateful heart for the Lord and others. Colossians 3, 15 to 17. And notice how many times just in these three verses you see the word thanks or thankfulness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's a good place to start. To which indeed you were called in one body. And be what? Okay, about four of you said that. And be what? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with what? In your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Amen. Thanks to God, the Father through him. There's something to be said, whether it's our children, our spouse, a coworker. If you are at odds with your coworker, I'm not gonna ask you to, to raise you, but if you are at odds with your coworker, you can just snuff that out right away by having a heart of gratitude. You maybe can't change their attitude, but you can certainly change yours. In a world with so much division and deception, thankfulness brings us closer together. Expressing gratitude to those around us not only brings joy to others, it brings joy to our own heart. And when we fail to be thankful for what God has done and what we have, we go down a hole of despair that is ugly. From going from blessing to being stressed. <coughs> from praise to rage, from caring to complaining. It says this in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians. Give thanks, what's that next word? In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Hey, if you get a flat tire, how many of you are like, praise the Lord, I got a flat tire. I give thanks to God. I am not saying that. But there is something in that circumstance that I can give thanks for. Listen, there are some of you that have gone through some dark days in your life, gone through a lot of struggle in your life, and you think, man, I, I never want to go back to that time. But you can look back on that time that was so dark and such a struggle, 
And you'll see something there that you think, I learned something about myself. I learned something about the Lord. I learned something about others that I am so thankful for. I would have never learned had I not gone through that time. So we can give thanks in all circumstances. There's some kind of sliver of thankfulness in that dark time that we can give thanks to God for. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord our God and King. His love endures forever. And then I love Psalm 9.1. It's not up here, but I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. Would you do that this week? There's a challenge. Then when someone asks how you're doing, why don't you share about the wonderful deeds that God has done in your life? This would be a great place for a couple testimonies this morning if we had time of people saying, I want to share about the wonderful things that the Lord has done in my life. Hey, how was your weekend? Eh, it was okay. We can change that. We can change it. Share of the wonderful deeds that God has accomplished in your life. Whatever is in the reservoir of your heart right now will overflow into your children's life. Whether that be a reservoir of blessings and gratitude and love, or is your reservoir filled with the sediments of ingratitude and sarcasm and complaining? Tool number four. Do you have a family motto, a creed, or a mantra that you can give to your kids. Now, some of you, your kids are older. It's like, I'm not gonna start doing a motto for my kids are 28 years old, okay? When our kids were little, we had a motto. We had a creed of who we were and why we existed as a family. And we kept that in front of them all the time. Um, having a family motto helps cultivate the soil of our children's heart. It says, hey, this is us. This is who we are. We are in this together. Having a motto uh, cultivates a sense of oneness and team and bonding and harmony. Um, you know how corporations will have a motto or a creed that they will put right in, like a good neighbor, you're in good hands with? Yeah, about three of you said all state. Why? It's in front of you. You know their purpose statement. You know their motto. Why can we not do that for the success of our family? You know, we have a church that is a fairly young church. There's a lot of young, young couples here. And they've got little kids. What a better way than to create a motto, a creed, a mantra that your kids will know and you will be creating a legacy. Isn't that what we want to do? We're all going to be creating a legacy here. It's just a matter of will it be a positive one or a negative one. And, and, and we did this with our kids. When our kids were young, we had a motto. And my son's sitting back here today. But our, our, our motto was this. We're a family that sticks together like glue. It was simple. It didn't have to be long. We're a family that sticks together like glue. And our oldest daughter would say, ah, Daddy, we're a, we're a family that sticks together like tape. And I'd say, no, honey, it's, it's glue. And she said, ah, it's tape, Daddy, it's tape. No, it's glue. We're a family that sticks together like glue. Ah, uh, it's tape, Daddy. You're grounded. Okay. Um, she's, like, she's like one. You know. And we would always say this. We're a family that is loving, caring, sharing, and helping. 
Those four things. You ask our kids today, we want to be a family that's loving, caring, sharing, and helping. And they know it. Now, getting them to do that was a little bit more difficult, but those were four things. And we're a family that sticks together like glue that made us who we are. It said, this is who we are. It may be something as simple as a Bible verse that you come up together as a family that will encourage your kids that they will be able to recite and that this is something that you share as a family. Too often we give a piece of ourselves to our children or our spouse, but rarely the whole. And if I were to ask you this morning, hey, how are you doing Many of us would say, I've got so much on my plate. Friends, we all have a plate. The question is, what is on it? What is on it that's really true and noble and right and has eternal purpose? Because this is the fault of many of us, including me. We tend to put our, on our plate those things that are temporary, those things that don't matter and don't change and don't last instead of putting on our plate those things that truly have purpose in life, those things that will be permanent and eternal. Please learn to push off that plate some of those things that are temporary and have on those plate for, the, for your kids those things that are truly permanent and eternal. I used to take my kids when they were little to a Waffle House. Now we call it Awful House. And uh, uh, we would sit there and I would take them one at a time or we would go to Blob Evans, I'm sorry, Bob Evans. And, and we would sit there and they could talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. Why? Because we're trying to create a legacy here. We don't wanna see our kids make the wrong decisions. We wanna have a relationship with them years from now that when we look at each other, we're able to hug and we're able to love and we're able to express to each other how there is honor in our family. And that's what we want to share with you, that it's possible. The odds may be against us in this world, but that's okay. So create a motto, a creed of some sort. Good investment, good return. I love in Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9, says this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Let's just stop for a second. They're not to be on your children's hearts yet. They're not to be on your spouse's heart yet or your co-worker's heart. But whose heart? My heart. I cannot give away that which I don't have. I cannot impart that which I do not possess. It's got to be on my heart first. And then when it's on my heart, I can impress them on my children. And notice how many ways we impress them on our children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Friends, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, whatever, what a wonderful opportunity to impress these truths on our children. And you'll notice also it says, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Why? Because that's the last thing your kids see going out, going out of the house and it's the first thing they see coming home. 
that God is at work in this home. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we desire more than anything else? And it might be something where we say, really, a mantra or a creed? Yes. Impress them on your children. Statistics show that mothers in third world countries on average spend 110 minutes with their children. Yet in the United States, the average mother spends 41 minutes and fathers come in lower at 23 minutes a day. Who is parenting our children? Social media is parenting our children. Friends, I don't want my culture, I don't want social media parenting my kids. I want to have a say in how I'm parenting my kids. And I want to do that because I am honoring and obeying the Lord. Only 30% of families in the U.S. eat dinner together on a regular basis. I had, I had breakfast years ago with a man we're sitting at breakfast, and he goes, Craig, he goes, I've got it all. I've got the house, huge house. I've got the cars. I've got the stock portfolio. I've got the boat. I've got it all. You would think that I'd be the happiest person in the world, but I'm not. I said, why is that? He said, because when I leave in the morning, my wife and kids are in bed. And when I come home late at night, my wife and my kids are in bed. And he said, I'm, I'm trying to play catch up on Saturday mornings, all day Saturday, and I'm losing the battle. There are some things that are more important than the things of this world. Invest in those. Having a family motto or creed helps create a healthy, lasting legacy. Can I encourage you to be intentional? Live for the moment with your kids. Live for the moment with your spouse. Pursue these relationships so that there is a sense of honor, not just obedience. So there is a sense of identity that what I hold on to is, is greater than the things of this world. That what I am grateful for, I am able to express every single day. And that I have a family motto, a creed, a verse, something that reflects, hey, this is a family that desires to walk with God. The father saw that he was just entering into middle school. And the father's heart just beat for his son because the father knew that when he was in middle school, the many choices and temptations and things that came with just entering into middle school. And he knew his son was entering into middle school and he didn't want his son to make some of the same mistakes that he made. So he decided to do things different. And so the day that his son was going to go to middle school for the first time, the father went upstairs and he shaved and he put on, he put on Old Spice. How many of you old timers remember Old Spice? Okay. Put on Old Spice after shave, put on his face, came downstairs, grabbed his son's hands and said, I'm going to pray for you today. And the next day, he would shave, put on Old Spice, come downstairs, grab his son's hand. He did this day after day after day. And the son said, years, years later, he said, there were days in middle school and in high school that I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to go my own way. There were times where I was tempted to make, my, make poor decisions. And he said, I would think, what am I to do? And he said, what would my father do? And all I need to do was smell my hands. And it reminded me of my father. 
And it was as if my father was saying, this is the way in which you should walk. Walk in this way. We have that opportunity here with our spouse, with our kids, with people that we can be an influence in their life. These are four tools that I know work. I've seen God work in my life through these tools. And I've seen God allow me to express these tools to others. And he can work in your life as well. And when it comes to spiritually, that is the place to start. We can have relationships throughout our life, but it's when we have the relationship with the Son of the living God that he makes all things new. He transforms my life. I put my trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sin and watch what he will do with you and your relationships to the glory of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Don't forget this morning. You may forget the church. You may forget the preacher. But don't forget what the Lord is able to do in your life. Some of you right now are in some pretty tough relationships. Use these tools and watch what God can do. Some of you are parents here. Praise God for you. Raise your kids, love your kids, honor your kids. And if you're a child here and you're 18 or below and you're living in a home, now if you're 40 living at home, you've got problems. But if you're 18 and living at home and you're younger than 18, hey, let's try honoring our parents, not just obeying them. Let's be grateful. Oh, let's see what's, what kind of identity do we really have. God's going to use all of us here. And so years from now, we'll look back and go, look, thanks. You don't, I didn't realize how much I need to hear what your word has to say. Let me pray for us.